We are in Greenville, South Carolina with DJ Rama. We've just toured this beautiful AC hotel. Passion Project, I can tell I love Passion Projects. That's where our world is evolving to, our hotel world, I can tell. So thank you, DJ. Thank you, thank you. Well, thank you for coming here, and uh, it's an honor for your team to be with us today. Uh, we're all honored to be here. And I listen, just in our talks, I mean, you're, you're one of the more, you're a very deep human being, so I'm going to get to that. I mean, but, but you're very spiritual, and every time, I just, it just gets drawn out of me. So I, what, what, what is the secret to life? DJ, wow, I know a that's, a big question, that's a big question. You can answer it. But I think um, secret. Absolutely. I think, you know, secret to life um, is finding your purpose of why you're here and your existence of birth. And what are you doing to fulfill that purpose every day that you wake up? And I think everybody has to find that within your own inner soul. And that only comes through you know, different tools that are out there, you know, on the spiritual path, which is, you know, meditation and reading and, you know, listening to people that are well-versed of, you know, life that's ahead of the curve um, and being able to soak knowledge and practice in our daily life. And I think, you know, secret to life also starts under your home. Your parents raised you in one way and those values have been transmitted from your ancestors and it's our job to preserve that and pass that down to our next generation um, and is this what you tell your kids absolutely and uh, we have to tell but i think we have to practice quietly because i think all that's vibration and sound bites come out of you whatever you're doing sometimes when we tell them they don't take it and they won't listen so I think we just have to keep practicing and let them um, select the sound bites that they choose to practice. Um, because I, I don't think you can force anybody to do uh, that, but you can always show them to make the right decision, the right choices for themselves. Do, do the kids today, does your, do your kids, do they listen to you? Do they listen to their aunts and uncles? Do they listen to the grandparents, great-grandparents? I think what we find is that, you know, Kids will listen to us to the degree that they want to listen to us because there's always somebody smarter with a better answer than the parents. And I think you have to have an ecosystem that, you know, it's like a lot of my friends are my son's ecosystem. Yes. And they are the ones that I sometimes will have to tell and say, hey, can you transmit the soundbite to his ears? And I think that works sometimes. And I think we all have to experiment because it's like a radio frequency. You're not going to get the right you know, output, but you just have to keep on finding the right tunes to get the right outcome. Um, and I think we have to keep on trials and errors uh, to get to our destiny. And, and then the irony, how much are you now listening to them, to your kid children? I think, you, you know, everybody goes through a phase, the teenage phase. And my son is right now, he just graduated from college. He's working for Wells Fargo with Christopher Jordan's team and Anand Joban Putra in the hospitality side. And I think what has happened now when they come into the real world, you know, they start really realizing and you create a different kind of bond together yes. uh, because now he'll say, Dad, uh, Spring Hill Suites, what, what family or brand is that? I said, well, that's Samaria. So I like those, you know, pick up the phone and... And now you're the, kicked the, out of the family. You yeah, know, exactly. That answer. So it, it's great to um, give them a foundation and allow them to grow and nurture and also choose what makes them happy. What, what does he want to do? 
Does mean. he want to be in finance? Does he want to be in the hotel business? He likes finance. Uh, he wants to work, uh, you know, for several years and they'll pursue an MBA and then hopefully join the family business. And I think all Does he have this, a choice? He does have a choice. And when I took him to colleges in seventh grade, I took him to different campuses and I said, what is the best thing you like? Math, science. And then he chose that he likes business. And then he chose Cornell and, you know, stayed there for four years, graduated and joined Wells Fargo in COVID. And obviously never had a, had a light affair graduation. Um, but again, going back to the point, all our children today that are, you know, part of the hospitality families or, you know, all, all of us have kids and we always talk about this at all our meetings. And I think we all have to give them choices and let them be happy in whatever path they choose. Um, our job is to give them the platform or nudge them in that right direction. And that's what I've seen. And I also see now hotel business is one division of a family office. So tomorrow our children may be sitting in the family office shop, you know, working and asset managing and diverting um, the growth of tomorrow. And hotel division, if the children are not prepared to be leading, then, you know, make sure that you can groom somebody within your organization with the same culture and values that have been around with you that can lead that division. So I'm in a mindset today that our children doesn't have to necessarily take over the business, but I think we have to give them all the options and then let them accelerate what they choose to accelerate in. Is, is the Rama family office uh, in multiple asset classes? You guys have lots of different things? Right now, no, it's predominantly, that. that's what we envision down the road. Um, because I think as hospitality business gets harder and harder, I think tomorrow's generation are going to say, well, I'm going to open up, you know, a QSR of healthy foods and or I want to be in the IT uh, sector because uh, IT is tomorrow's world. Yep. Um, and I think let them be creative to do that. I think I was raised in room number two at the Sunset Motel and I took on the charge to passionately love this business called the hotel industry. And I got my training at the Marriott Marquis in Atlanta for two years. I was an you know, on the food and beverage side of the equation. And today I look back at this establishment, what you toured, and if I didn't have that foundation, I don't think I would be thinking like this. So I think it's so important that we make sure our children have the exposure, have the broad mindset, and giving them the vision. And my uncle and my parents pushed me to go work outside. And if I didn't join the Marriott family back in 1990, I don't think I would be thinking like this. Um, so I think it's really critical to coach our kids. We're, we're, going back to your background, where do you think your uh, foundation, right? And from, from, from aunts and uncles and grandparents and the like, but also cleaning room, one whatever. But I'm just watching you today. You're, you're, you're an amazing storyteller and, 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 it's, and your passion comes through everything. Even this building, this amazing building we've walked is a story. Right. right. There's a story from beginning. And I, I guess 365, it's never going to close, so it's not right. going to end. Right. But where do you think you got that? I think um, I. My my roots were started in these independent motels where you truly understand the value of hard work. That's the Post House Motel, Chess Motel, Sunset Motel, Howard Johnson's, all these properties that we went through while I was being raised. And then you transition 
and I walked over the Sheraton Hotel during the summer and the GM named Bob McPherson, we had a Camelot Inn across the street. And I was like, wow, this business is really hard at the Camelot Inn. And when I walked in the Sheraton, I said, wow, this is a professional business. There's a banquet department, there's a sales department, there's a GM, they're plating banquets and food and beverage. I'm like, wow, this is pretty fun. And that's when I chose to say, I wanna go for a degree for management and hospitality. And that's when I chose Johnson & Wales. And then while going to school, I landed up at the Marriott on Charles Street in downtown Providence, Rhode Island. And Bob Cowan was a GM. And I walk in and I say, I want a job. And he goes, I don't have any position. I said, I want to work free. Put me in any department you want to put. So he goes, are you sure? I said, yeah, I just want exposure. And that was a sign called Marriott. And Milton Fine owned Interstate Hotels. And I got the culture of Marriott and Interstate back in the days when Milton Fine was there. And Bob Cowan calls the director of sales named Paul Adams. And Paul goes, you're going to take this guy. He's a freshman at this Johnson Wells in the hospitality. He doesn't want to get paid. And I say, okay. And Paul goes, okay, show up here tomorrow at eight o'clock. He gives me the yellow pages and say, okay, start doing cold calls and see if we can drum up some business for rooms and banquets. And I say, okay, fine. So what I like is that right. in our industry, there are people that want to give you an opportunity, seize it. And you, you don't know where it's going to land up. If you told me that we would be doing Marriott's back then, I'll be like, are you kidding me? No way. We would be building in India? No way. So I think along the way, let it flow. This community of hospitality is so open. Everybody embraces everybody. Um, and then obviously I, after the Marriott, then I went to Marriott Corp, worked at the Marriott Marquis in the individual development program and then went to IEG uh, to open up hotels in Asia Pacific, and then went for my master's at Cornell, did my thesis on our company. And that time, um, my professor, Kathy, uh, Kathy Enns, she was my you know, coach and counselor, and said, I want you to look at companies that are 10 years ahead of you. That's when I met Bruce White, McKibben, um, Concord, uh, John Q. Hammonds, Robert Cole during Impact Hotel Groups and Mississippi Management Jackson. I visited all their corporate office and I said, wow, industries are very professionally managed. And where are we today? Where do we want to go and how are we going to get there? And that was the blueprint. And May of 1996, I joined our family business and then it's history. How many hotels from 96? 96, we had about 20 hotels. We had 1,200 rooms. Fast forward today, we have 7,000 rooms. And um, at the end of the day, the asset classes have moved up from a RevPAR perspective. We're $100 plus North RevPAR. And I think what I love about this industry, you can keep upgrading yourself in the industry. You can be here from Sunset Motel, but you can go to all the way to Ritz-Carlton and you can keep on graduating within the space, same space. Yes. What's I, what I love about it. The other part is you can't substitute sleep. Everybody needs eight hours of sleep. And there's no mechanism machine that will hijack our industry. Um, and people cannot replace experiences through a goggles or a movie. They have to come in and feel the space, the speakeasy, the juniper. Yes. These are all experienceology kind of places where you create memories. Um, and you can't replace that. So it's a movie in my head from Sunset Motel. And it's like a, a film producer that you always trying to create a movie. And... 
you write a story and then you you live it. And when I see it in action, I'm like, oh my goodness, that's what we envision. And that's exactly what's happening. People are all dressed up. They look good. They're vibing. They're dancing. And they're drinking. And it's like a movie. And you have to create a movie of everything that you do. And everything has a, a lane for it, which is fine. You can... You could be in a sector, you know, that's limited budget, but that's fine. But create a movie in that too, um, and make the best out of everything. Do you do that for every hotel that you build? Every hotel that we do, we always envision a story. We just came today from the Hyde Regency Greenville, and we talked about it. We we bought it 12 years ago from the Pritzker family, Design Continuum. You just met in the lobby. They're doing the the refresh of the entire public space. And I said, the story when we envisioned this 12 years ago was welcome everybody to Greenville at the public park. It was a public park where people can go through in and out. It was a kinetic motion. And that was the story back then. And today I'm like, help me reinvent the story of what does it look like tomorrow? Um, and we spent a lot of energy and time on that. And then what we have to do is operationally weave that in to our establishment. What are other lessons you learned from this? First of all, your instincts were right. We need pizza. Everybody wanted it. Correct. What, what else have you learned so on this project? On this project, because of being a mixed-use project, parking, we never expected the volume of our establishment and the 70,000 square feet of retail. And the parking technology that was envisioned versus what the reality became. And how, you know, I, as I told you earlier, we have three stakeholders here, the office, the apartment and us as a hotel, we all had to come back to the table and say, folks, this is not working. And we need to get a new parking consultant and change our entire game, game plan and strategy. So we said, okay, I'll take my associates and have them park a little further. I'll figure out how to transport them, free up the spaces for the visitors that are coming in because we just didn't expect the volume. And the consultants were there before who told us how many parking spaces we right. need or how many we as a hotel need and all those assumptions could go wrong in the tube. Um, so that was a big lesson to be learned. Um, obviously cost overruns um, based on, you know, as you go along the project, then you say, wow, we are underutilized in back of the house space. We didn't have enough admin space compared to the front of the house space. So we had to go back in and dig deeper into the ground and create uh, additional space for offices. Uh, how much do you think your operations background helped? Helps you in I, design. I feel operations background helps you 100%. Every single thing that you'll see in this hotel, it's gone through my eyes or, uh, or touch. That means from fabrics to colors to all of it. Um, and what happens is I want my housekeeping department not to work harder, but smarter. I want my servers not to get tired, but feel fresh. Um, so case in point, this little service station Rather than our servers going from one table and taking all the dish all the way back, we said, let's build all the uh, service stations right here and let's design the millwork the way our staff wants it. So I think involving our staff is so important to make it operational friendly. Um, so therefore, they feel good working here. Um, and, that, and that's what we enjoy doing uh, because we're a long-term perspective, not short-term. Yeah, you're on them forever. Correct. All right, what's your next project? Our next project is Savannah, and uh, we are doing an artisan hotel, which is our lifestyle name, and it'll be tapped in with a tapestry collection by Hilton. So we are inspired by SCAD, where we're located, 
So we're bringing fashion, art, and education all under one umbrella and shaking it up and creating a product that's going to be complementary to SCAD, and which is the Savannah School of Design. Um, we're also working in India with our full service hotel. Oh, yeah. uh, we're also working in Greenville, our next lifestyle division, lifestyle hotel, uh, which will be a tapestry collection by Hilton and we'll create a soft brand and that will be in the West End 170 room hotel. Um, so that's what we're on the drawing table right now of creating an independent lifestyle hotel. How do you think about the macro economy? Does that have an impact on your decision to go or no go or slow or delay? Absolutely, it's a great question. You know, it's, it's a two prong. One is our existing hotels are doing fantastic right now what we see. And we're seeing ADR growth that we've never seen in our hotels. And obviously inflation is a darling for the hotel industry and we're seeing that into motion. On the other side, we have this bucket of, you know, um, a sound bites that we say, inflation, labor shortage, interest rate, high cost of construction, supply chain challenges, and consumer behavior where I thought corporate would be running around visiting clients and I don't see them in my hotels. So where do the corporate folks go? And how is that gonna change? So all these pose a question and say, hold on to what you got, renovate it, keep it fresh. And then the future projects that you're doing, are they bankable? And are they the hotels that, you know, will sustain against all these headwinds? And I think you have to be very selective that you're doing a home run projects because cost of construction, and then when we talk to the GCs, they say, well, things will get better by second quarter of next year. And I say, okay, fine, but I've never seen the world of construction pricing go down. It always stays up. So then there's this you know, ch uh, a, a, a split that you say, do you start now because tomorrow will be more expensive? And um, we are taking a pause till second quarter of next year. We don't mind planning everything and spend the dollars on architectural drawings, permitting, ID, brand approvals, yeah. because that all takes time. Yeah. And not all the corporate office of the brands are, are staffed in the design and construction department. So we are picking our top five and planning those, which one of them is Savannah. It's an artisan hotel um, uh, tapped with a soft brand by Hilton. Um, next is we're working on Charleston, Orlando Convention Center, and Orlando Airport. So we're picking the top five where we feel the RevPARs are strong, and we need a stronger RevPAR to justify the cost of construction. Um, so we are definitely in a, in a, at a junction right now that do you slow it down, focus on your existing hotel, renovate it, make sure you're not uh, losing market share or ADR growth that you could have. Um, it's better to renovate hotels right now than building ground up on your existing portfolio because we can see the ADR growth. Let's talk hotel values, my world, but I want to hear your answer. What's going to happen with the value of hotels going forward? I think, hotel rates values are going keep, I think hotel values are going to keep going up just they and they always do. I remember Stephen Rushmore's chart where 1982, it's $40,000 a room. 2022, it's 450,000. Oh, by the way, Nashville is 900,000. I'm like, when was the last time we heard a Nashville downtown 900? So I think, you know, hotel values are gonna go up. 
we're in the daily lease business, yep. our milk expires at midnight and I can price my daily uh, price, uh, daily rate. So, which is a phenomenal business and we've been doing it for 47 years and we like it. Um, and we can't find a product that will substitute sleep. Everybody needs a nine hour sleep and everybody needs an experience through an environment that you just walked. And I can't substitute that through a goggles of Galaxy or Samsung, any of that, you have to experience uh, with, with your friends and families. Remember the times when we were going out of business? When our industry was, we would do it all through Zoom, we would do it all technology, we wouldn't Absolutely. need to travel to see people anymore. You can't substitute what we did today. Yeah. And there's no way I could have shown you this yeah. without you personally visiting and relaying what I, how I feel about this project. Yeah, it's the emotional part of it Correct. that you Correct. don't get in two dimensions. Um, I, I want to go back. I want to talk. You talk about brand, but also these these grandiose visions. And a loaded question here. But when do you like having the brand to keep you in the guardrails? And when do you want to be more free and do it independent, whether it's a, a soft brand or not? W where do you find that balance? And I'm sure you're struggling with it. Absolutely. You always struggle with it because I think what happens when you're a soft brand, is it bankable with my bank? Yep. When it's a core brand, it's yep. bankable with my, fund, with my yeah, bank. Because we've done it so many times. Exactly. So they know the outcome. But today, if I have my financier walk through this project, they have a little bit of trust that this organization will deliver that lifestyle promise that we're going to do in West End, which is, and we're also going to tap into a soft brand called Tapestry by Hilton. So at the end of the day, I will always create efficiency in the middle of the page, but with high experience touch. And that's the creative side of your organization. That means digitize as much as you can with your QR codes on the tables where you can order it. And how do I sync it with my a printer on the kitchen line? And my associate comes to the table, grabs your credit card, puts in the PMS right with a little device and you're done. So, as a hotelier, we are now in the business of creative efficiency. And I think the fast food industry has really figured it out. Um, you go to Taco Bell today yeah. and they're saying, well, download the app and you figure out all your ordering through there. And you only got two people in the back kitchen line cooking it. Um, so for the hotel industry, we're going to have to work with our brands and say, how do we create efficiency through labor and create a model that is sustainable for the future as we face the challenges of uh, staffing? Because we're still facing those challenges. Absolutely. We thought it'd be short term. It's not. Looks like it's here for a while. Correct. And in that process. So the brands do create that discipline. All right. So I, I, I want to end the way we began. Uh, the spiritual side. You, your spiritual side. You sort of bring it out me and all of us. Uh, but the project you didn't mention is a project right down the road that I know that I, don't, I just call it the spiritual center. So tell us about the spiritual center. Absolutely. Well, it's H.P. Rama and my late father's um, vision that how do we give back to humanity a place where it makes them more happier tomorrow than today. And it's a 300 acre um, uh, farm that we purchased. It was a horse stable and there was an existing home there. And we are currently planning for 88 rooms, um, a complete activity center, gardens, um, where people can check in for one week and the topic will be how to raise a child in today's society. And there will be scholars from around the world that will be recruited 
to come and give transfer their knowledge uh, to our audience. It'll be open and welcome for all. And uh, you know, we have been in the business of building products and hardwares of buildings. So what we're doing is building a beautiful facility and uh, it's led by our executive director, Suzanne Fall, uh, with her leadership. She will bring the software, which is the different speakers around the world that'll be brought here and different people that can sign up to attend those. It's a 501c nonprofit. Um, it, we wanna make sure that we can sustain it, but at the same time, it's a place where we share knowledge with society and let the East and the West meet together. Um, so we look forward to welcoming you in end of next year, and hopefully we can kick that off the ground. Drawings and everything's pretty much wrapped up, and right now we're pricing the project out and looking to get it, get it executed. I can't wait. DJ, you're a true gem. Appreciate everything about you. Thank you, thank and you. Uh, thank you for TikToks of bringing our industry together because you helped us feel like we were all sailing together. And uh, if you didn't do that, I feel we would all have been fragmented. And I love the Teague Walks because I think this is, inspires the next generation. I had to learn the hard way, but today's generation can watch our interview and learn a few things. And hopefully it inspires them to do beautiful projects that you've already showcased on this, on this series. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. You're a good Appreciate man. it. Thanks a lot. Thank you.